Father, we come to you with many stories of life, with many issues of concern, and Lord, we bring them to your throne. And we ask, Lord, that you will breathe life. Help us, Lord. Father, we pray that you will be with the speaker of the hour, Lord. Let him proclaim your word with no fear, no respect of person. But Lord, I pray that your word will go forth and that we all will hear and we all will be challenged and changed and encouraged. I thank you, Lord. I ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created man from the dust of the earth and breathed his life-giving spirit in them. And he gave them one command. He told them that you can enjoy all of the trees that are in the garden, all of the fruits that are in the garden, but from this one tree, you shall not eat. But man being enticed by the evil one fell to temptation and they ate the fruit of the forbidden tree and sin entered into the world. But along with sin came death. And what God was communicating in this situation was that disobedience and sin has consequences. We see this also as the, the story continues with Noah during, during his generation. That the Bible says that people did whatever they wanted to do. People were living uh, in direct rebellion to what the Lord God had called them to. And so the Lord promised that there would be judgment. And after the preaching of Noah and, and no one re responding to that preaching, uh, Noah and his family were the only ones saved from this destruction. And once again, we see the fact that with sin comes consequences. The story continues and the children of Israel, they end up in the country of Egypt, in bondage and in slavery. And the Lord sends a, a prophet by the name of Moses to deliver them from their oppression. And as he was drawing these people out of their bondage and their slavery, uh, the, the, the type of people he was dealing with is not like the people here at Forest. They, the people that Moses was dealing with were people who liked to complain a lot. They were people who uh, vexed Moses' spirit. And so Moses, uh, in violation to what 
the Lord God had commanded him to do uh, sin against God. And so Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land. And once again, we see that with sin comes consequences, comes judgment. The story, the biblical story continues and the people of Israel, they go into the promised land and there is this cycle of disobedience, repentance, and returning back to their disobedience. And every time they would turn back to their disobedience, the Lord would allow uh, foreign enemies to come in and chastise them. God would chastise his people with foreign enemies coming in and ex uh, extending God's judgment to them. So we see this, this continual line of, of sin and rebellion and consequences. But the people of Israel, uh, they decided that they wanted a king and they received a king and um, many kings came after this first king. And one of the uh, characteristics of the kingdom of Israel was that they decided that they were going to worship God in opposition to the way that God had called them to. And so they disobeyed, they worshiped idols, they did not read his word, and so what happened, God sent prophets to them. And these prophets were warning them that they need to repent because with sin comes consequences and judgment. And we see that the people of Israel largely turned their backs on the prophets, not simply turning their backs on them, but oftentimes persecuting them, harming them, and, and even stoning them at certain times. And so the Lord said that, okay, you are rejecting my word. I've shown my patience. And so the Lord sent them into exile. As the chastisement of the Lord came on them once again for refusing to heed his word. But even in the midst of this chastisement, while the people are in exile, the Lord continues to send prophets to them as a mercy to them. And we see this is where the prophet Ezekiel comes onto the scene. The people are in exile. The people, they are experiencing a, a situation of death, a dead situation, a situation where it is the absence of life, the absence of hope. They're confronted with a situation that seems like there is no answer. They are in a situation in their lives where they face insurmountable challenges. And so I don't know about you and your life, but I've faced times in my life where it seems like there was no hope. There was no answer. But what I want for us to see 
from this story is that our confidence should be in the word of God because it is the answer for every situation. Our confidence should be in the word of God because it is the answer, not for some, but for every situation. And so Ezekiel here, after the first 30 some odd chapters of pronouncing judgment on the people of Israel, calling them to repentance, recounting to them the sins of disobedience that they acted on in their life to put them in the position that they were in, but also to continue in the position that they were in. Ezekiel, after 30-some-odd chapters of what some would call hellfire and brimstone preaching, Ezekiel comes to us in, in chapter 37 with a message of hope. And so we must see this message of hope for us as well. That even in the midst of the situations we may face in life, there is hope. But we have to know where that hope derives from. And so we must see that the word of God brings hope to a dead situation. The word of God brings hope to a dead situation. In, in, in a world filled with sin, you will confront dead situations. Look with me, if you will, in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Now the Lord being the master teacher that he is, he places him in a context where he is confronting a valley of bones. Now bones represent a situation of death. Bones represent a situation where Life was once here, but now death is present. Bones show us that it is a situation that the people are facing that is a situation of death. And when we look at our world today, and we look at the, the creations of the world, we see the sunrise and, and the sunset, we, we also see Tornadoes, and we also see natural disasters. And so in the midst of seeing the beauty that is in the world, we also see death. We also see the effects of sin. We, we also see that there was life present, but now there is death. We see this also in our communities. Well, we have these beautiful structures. Beautiful houses, but then some of them are houses that are boarded up. We see houses that are being torn down. We see neighborhoods that are racked with violence. 
We see situations in our neighborhoods where needles are on the ground for children to come and play with. And so we see a, a structure in a situation where life was once here, but death pervades in these communities. We also see even in our churches where we have these, these vast and elegant churches, but, but, but some of them are decaying spiritually and physically. And so this is a reminder that life was once here, but death is prevailing. We see this even in our own human experience. In our bodies, we, 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 we marvel at the way that our eyes and our ears and, and our bodies function. But live a little a little while and you'll find out that uh, those same members that used to function the way that they function when you were younger, uh, they start doing things that you weren't expecting them to do. And you stop being able to do things that you thought you would always be able to do. And so we see in our own personal human experience the idea that life was once here. But death it's here as well. And so no matter what you go through, no matter where you go in life, you, it is impossible not to confront dead situations. And you cannot effect, uh, uh, escape the deadening effects of sin. But even more discouraging than that, some of the things that we are facing are beyond human ability to help. Look with me at the text once again. It says, and he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. It, 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 this, this, this idea of being very dry is an emphasis of the, the, the lack of any hope for the situation. That, that, that it's, not, it's not that it's just death that is present, but the bones are very dry. They're irreparable. They, 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 they can't be restored. This is the picture that, 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 that the Lord is giving here to his prophet to show that there are certain things in life that we may face that man can't help you with. That there, there are certain situations in our lives that a politician can't help us with. That, that there are certain issues that we face in our life that a doctor can't help us with. That there are certain situations in our lives that, 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 that your mom and your daddy can't help you with. That, that, that there must be something that we can call on to that is higher than man's ability. Because when we look at this valley of bones, it's not simply bones there, but they're very dry bones. This is a situation that seems hopeless and helpless. This is not just a bad situation. This is not just being a few days late with your, with your bills. This is not having any money in the account to pay the bill. This is not the doctor is saying that things are, are, are looking a little shady. This is the doctor saying that things are over. And this is some of the times, this is some of the things that we face in our lives where it looks like no hope is present. That there's nothing that a doctor, there's nothing that anyone can do. 
And so for this reason, our hope must be in God's word, not in human intellect. And if you look at verse three, it tells us, he says, and he said to me, speaking of the Lord, he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? God poses this, this, this question to him to expose where he's placing his faith. He's asking him, are, are, are you placing your faith in man's wisdom or in your own wisdom? Or are you placing your faith somewhere else? Sometimes too quickly, we're, we're, we're too quick to respond that we know that we have the answer. That, 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 that we know what the right thing to do for a situation. But sometimes we need to just, just, just think about what Ezekiel did here and sometimes just close our mouths and recognize that it is with God who has the answers. Look at the answer that he gave. He said, I answer, oh Lord God, you know. Recognizing the human limitation, recognizing his inability to figure out how to work things out. Ezekiel didn't come up with a fancy answer for the Lord. He didn't come up with a quick, he, he didn't Google something. Ezekiel said, Lord, you know. And sometimes when we face the issues of life, we have to be humble enough to recognize that we have to just say that, Lord, I don't know. It, it, it goes beyond my capacity. You know. I have to turn to you. But when we're not reading our Bibles, if, uh, essentially what we're saying is, God, I know. God, I know how to handle this. God, I know what I'm doing. But when we turn to the word of God, we are recognizing that it is God who knows what is best for us. And he is the only answer to our situation. And so we have to learn from this that, that human wisdom is not able to save us, but we need God's direction. We need God's word. And so in turning to God's word, we find out that we should be confident that the word of God brings life to dead situations. When we turn to the word of God, we find out that the word of God brings life to dead situations. This means that, 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 that when we're looking for answers, we shouldn't turn to a self-help book. We, we shouldn't turn to 10 steps to how to improve your marriage. We, we shouldn't turn to what Dr. Phil had to say. We should turn to what the word of God has to say. Because in that we find our answers. We are to simply go to our situation and proclaim God's word. Look at verses 4. It says, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So, God commands Ezekiel, he says, prophesy over these bones. 
In other words, what, what, what the Lord is saying is, is to, to, to introduce this situation of death to my word. He, he, he's saying to, to apply my word to the situation that you're facing. He said, prophesy to these bones. We, 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 we see these deadening effects of sin in our lives. And instead of going to the word of God, which gives life, we're going to other things. But the, the Lord tells us to prophesy over these bones. Turn to his word and see what his word has to say about this situation and apply his word to your life. And we see that, 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 that this isn't uh, like a, a name it or claim it type of situation. Uh, the, the, the difference between this and the name and the claim is that the name and the claimant teaching is that I am just able to go pick a verse out of the Bible, apply it to my situation, and now God is obligated to act the way that I want him to act. That's not how this functions. The, the point here is that we go to the word of God for the answers and we recognize that this is the only hope that we have. That if God is going to act, he's going to act through his word. And so we trust in his word. And so God brings his intended results, not ours, not what we want. So, so, so the Bible isn't a, a magic book of spells that we can just chant out and just get whatever we want. The Bible uh, applied to our lives uh, produces what God intends to happen, not what we want to happen. So we can't just speak to a situation and say what's going to happen and then expect that it's going to happen. We have to trust in God's will for what's going to happen. That's the difference. And so, so, so the power from God's will is working not because of the prophet's proclamation. So, so the power isn't in your proclamation to just speak to your situation. The power is in the word of God applying to a situation in your life and bringing about God's will for that situation. This is what I want us to see and, and, that, and that, that God brings total restoration to the situations that his word is applied to. Look at verse 8. It says, and I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so what's What's happening here is that, see, see, some of the things that we face in life may be able to deal with the symptoms of an issue. It, it may be able to patch up some of the things that are on the outside. But what the word of God is able to do is to restore things from the inside out. It's to bring complete restoration to your situation. Not just halfway restoration. And so he looked at this, 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 this valley of bones and he, he saw that there were flesh in them, but they, they, want, they still want alive. They want enemy. And so for total restoration, 
We have to turn to the word of God. And so, I mean, many things that we have fought in our lives, we, we have applied uh, the weapons of, of, of this world to. And we, and we see that they're never satisfactory. They never get us what we want. But the Bible tells us that the word of God is able to bring complete restoration to any situation. And this is where we put our hope in. And not in, in the things of this world. We, we've been fighting things like racism for hundreds of years and it's still here. We've been fighting police brutality for many years and it's still here. We've been fighting many different things in our lives. But the point here is, is that the word of God is able to bring complete restoration. We might get some laws changed, but if people's hearts are still the same, those laws are not going to ultimately help us. They may help us for a while, and yes, we do need those laws, but the point here is, is that if, if people's hearts are not changed, they're going to find ways around those laws, as many of you very well know. And so we have to remember that it's the word of God that restores in completion. That's what we trust in. And so what, what, what we need to do is, is if, if you would think like this uh, with me for a moment, that, that we, need to, we need to take our situation and, and, and set it in, a, in the pot of, of the word of God and, and, and let it marinate in, in that pot and, and let, 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 let all the, the juices to flow through your situation so that the word of God will bring complete restoration to your situation. We need, we need, to, we need to, as the song says, let go and let God. And the way that you do that is to apply God's word to it. This is what we need. This is what the Lord is calling us to. And finally, we should... Recognize that, that we should be confident that the word of God brings revelation of who he is. The word of God brings revelation of who he is. Did you know that the most important thing that you need is a relationship with God? Did you know that the very thing that you're looking for, the, the, the very peace that you're looking for, the, the happiness that you're looking for, the, the joy that you're looking for is found in the Lord. And so if you are looking for happiness, stop looking at every other thing in your life and look to the Lord. Because he is the one who satisfies all our needs. So our greatest need is a relationship with him. And so God shows himself faithful in his word. Look with me, if you will, in verse 11. It says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. 
The point here is that God made a covenant to his people. He promised them the land. And so when they are in exile, they are not receiving the promise of God. And they are looking at their situation in exile. They're, they're in the midst of their trial and their tribulation. They're saying that I know what the word of God says, but if I look at my situation, things don't look the way that they ought to. And sometimes we can be in those situations too that, that we, we see what the word of God says and say that I'm more than a conqueror. But it looks like I'm being conquered in my life. The Bible says that he brings a perfect peace whose mind is, is stayed on him. But I'm reading my Bible every day and I still feel like I'm going crazy. So, so, so we may see our situations and we're asking the question like, Lord, what is going on? But the Lord is telling us that he is faithful. To do what he said that he would do. He says, I will bring you back to your land. I am in covenant relationship with you. And I promised you a land and this is what you will receive. And so God is faithful to bring us from death to life. He's faithful to look at our situation when we're in the midst of death. And God is faithful to bring life to that situation. But we also see that God shows himself powerful. And if you look at verses 13, it says, And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and, and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and, it, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I like this kind of talk from the Lord. I mean, essentially what he's saying is if I said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You don't have to doubt my ability. You don't have to doubt my power. If I told you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. This is what the Lord is telling us, that he has promised us life. He's promised us Peace. He's promised us deliverance and he will do it. This is the hope that we have that, that we're not dealing with a God that is like our friends who may promise us one thing, but then next thing you know, they reneging on that promise. The Lord said that I said it and I'm going to do it. This, this is the promise that we have. And so, so, so I don't, I don't know about the God that you serve, but, but the God that, that, that I serve, is a powerful God. The, 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 he, he said that, 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 that nothing or no one can stay his hand. He said that he said that I am the lily in the valley. He said that I am the bright and morning star. The God that I serve sits in the heavens and he does what he pleases. The God that I serve says that nothing can stop him. All things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. The God that I serve set up in the heavens before creation. And he said, let there be light. And photons just force themselves into existence. This is the God that I serve. So I don't know about the God that you serve. And I don't know about the situation that you're going through. But the God that I serve, he is able. He is able to Fix all of your problems. He is 
able to deliver you from all of your suffering. He is the answer. He is the great I am. So whatever you're facing in life, what I'm calling you today is to call on Jesus because he is the answer. There's no other hope that we can call on. There's no other person that we can depend on. But if you are facing anything in your life today, you need to call on Jesus because he is the one who saves. Our God, he, 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 he saw us in our hopeless situation, being in condemnation of sin. And, 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 and while we were still rebellious to him, he sent his son to, to not just die, but, but to be tortured to death for us. This is the God that we're serving. And so if we want anything, if, if we're looking for hope in anything, we have to look to him. It's, it's placing our faith in Jesus Christ that is the answer for all of our needs. Let us go to the Lord. Father, we are rebellious people. We never learn. We always turn back to our sin. But you're still so gracious. We never stay on track, but you still show mercy. And so, Lord, we're calling on you to save us from ourselves. And I just ask, Lord, that, that you will call your people to yourself as you're calling me to the same. Lord, we, we desperately need your spirit to overcome the temptations that we feel, that we face in life. So, Lord, I'm just asking that you be with us and that you continue to show your unending grace as we fight our way through this life. Lord, if anyone here needs your grace, I need it. And so, Lord, may your spirit be with your people today. May you draw people to yourself. May you save souls. May you use us in that purpose as well. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you are here today 